Hi, and welcome to Follow's weekly message podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message inspires you and helps you follow Jesus in your community for His glory. Here's the message. When I was younger, in my late teens, early 20s, I got my first full-time job. I was working in a lawyer's office. I couldn't believe how much money I was being paid each week. Uh, But believe me, it wasn't that much looking back. But this newfound impression of wealth, it led me to buy a whole bunch of stuff that I definitely didn't need. And I even started to overspend and got into quite a bit of debt. Um, And this meant often I couldn't afford the things that I actually needed, like paying the rent, uh, buying enough groceries for myself or having a reliable car. There's one stage where I was rolling around in this $200 Ford laser hatchback from the late 80s. I'd sometimes go weeks without it being registered. It was rarely insured, never had more than a quarter of a tank of fuel and uh, servicing. Well, you could forget regular maintenance, not even an oil change. And I drove this car until it blew up. And I'm literally talking, we were driving with my mates up the freeway, um, up, a, up a really steep hill on the south coast of SA, going, going out for a surf, and the thing blew up. It was never the same again. Why did I do this to myself? All these bad decisions, they just piled up and piled up and they led to um, a a lack of mobility. I'd crippled my earning capacity and my freedom. It was a really tricky, dark, annoying, bad situation and time in my life. But then a saviour, a close family friend of mine, was going on a long-term mission trip to Southeast Asia And she had no more use for her mid-90s, meticulously maintained Holden Nova, which doesn't sound like much, but it was a huge upgrade for me at the time. And it gave me a new lease on life. In a way, this debt that I had owing to myself was essentially paid off. All the mistakes that I'd made in the past, the hole that I dug myself into, I now had my freedom back. I had my independence. I could get to work on time. The only thing my benefactor asked of me was that I look after the car, give it a service every now and then. This week, guys, we're continuing our series on the ever greater gospel. And this week, we're we're focusing on the theme of redemption. But this whole theme of the ever greater gospel means that we really, we should be opening our hearts to the greater narrative at play here, not just one event, not just the cross. We're part of a story that it transcends time, the story of a God who breathed life into the universe and created us in his image for his pleasure to be in relationship with him. But then he lost us to our own sin. Creation destroyed. Our relationships with him were completely changed. But through sacrificing himself, becoming human and putting himself through a humiliating and excruciating death, he paid the price for this relationship with him to be restored and for all relationships to have hope. You know, I've been brought up in a Christian home to God-fearing parents and Christian schools and Sunday schools. And the fact that Jesus died for my sins is a truth for me that outdates my earliest memory. That is to say, I've always known and believed this truth. But if we focus on the good news that God made a plan, that God sent his son, that Christ died, our forgiveness was achieved, it's offered freely, and we can take it by faith, and then we stop. 
well, then something's missing. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for our sins, the righteousness for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Redemption. It's not just a salvation that we can put in our pocket or something that we can just tick off a list once we've accepted it. It's paying the price. Salvation, uh, Redemption means the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. We all know John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And Romans in chapter 5, verse 8 to 11, fleshes this out even more. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. R is for redemption, but it also stands for some other words. And I'd love for you to join me as we explore a few of those together. R is for reconciliation. I have a younger sister, Hannah. She's two years younger than me. Uh, You have to ask my parents, who would give you a bit more of an accurate picture, I'm sure, but my memories of us growing up uh, together are pleasant, and I think we got along pretty well. But it did get a little rocky when we became teenagers. I was getting into the senior years of high school, and Hannah was a little bit behind me, um, and all of a sudden, she started to change. She was a bit more socially active and outgoing. She'd be out most weekends, hanging out at the mall or out at night at any number of events. And we'd hear this awful, heavy metal blasting from her room whenever she was home. Her fashion changed. She'd morphed into this pop punk chick with ripped jeans and band t-shirts and her arm covered in beads and sweatbands. So she was this cool chick and something else was, was different. She had a new energy. She had this joy. She was more pleasant to be around. She was encouraging, more forgiving, more generous than before. This new side of my sister, I believe, was Jesus changing her from the inside out. And as a big brother, I'm ashamed to admit, I hated it. Every chance I got, I would take the opportunity to criticize her friends, her music, her outlook on life, the camps she would go to, the youth group band nights she would attend. This Satan's hatred and lies were spitting out of me. But one year, when we were still both in school, by some act of God, I found myself on one of these youth camps she was attended to. I was dragged along. It was a it was a camp that was focused more on music, arts and drama and dance and this sort of thing. And I guess the only reason I went along is because I saw myself as some top dog drummer who wanted to teach the little Christian kids a thing or two on the skids. But I'll never forget the first night that I was there and instantly Even during registration, finding my dorm room and meeting my leader and the other campers, I noticed something different. Everyone there was nice. There's no other way to explain it. They, I didn't feel judged. No one felt the need to 
to judge, which is what I was used to, to, to hiding their true self, to bottling their happiness, to looking at the bright side of life, um, not feeling scared to reach out and say hello. It was a very, very strange experience for me. And as the, the week-long camp progressed, my, my armour that I'd, that I'd built up um, against all these changes that were happening in my sister's heart and in her life, uh, it started to fall away. And my heart softened towards these overexcited, crazy Christian kids, which softened my heart towards God, which also softened my heart towards all the great things that God was doing in my sister's life. And after this pivotal time in our lives, my sister and I, um, as, as bro and sis, as friends, um, we, we went on a journey together and became very close uh, to one stage where we were absolutely best friends. And the, the, we'd go everywhere, we'd be everywhere together. And the catalyst for this reconciliation was having Jesus in our lives and having the Holy Spirit who was working through us. His redemption was our common bond. And it redeemed my relationship with my sister, which was once pure and was broken and, and was, it was found again. And, and I think due to this time, I don't think personally I'd be the, the man of God that I am today if not for his intervention. God's design, his prayer is for us to be in relationship with one another, in unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. In John 17, before Jesus was taken away to be killed, he went away to pray to God. It's got to be one, one of the best prayers recorded in the Bible. Jesus looks up to heaven and asks God that in all that's happened and all that's about to happen, that he will be glorified so that the Father would be glorified. And then he prays for his disciples. And then he says to God, my prayer is not for them alone. So now let's jump in. Let's read together John 17, uh, verses 20 to 23. Jesus says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you've sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. See here, Jesus is praying for us. He's praying for those who do not yet know him, which at the time is a lot of people, most of them many, many years from even being born, you and me included. He's praying that we may be one that we may be brought to complete unity. And I believe this is the testimony of the healing that came from my relationship with my sister through, through Jesus. What I love about our community here at Follow is that I believe that we do live this out. Sure, we can do better, myself included, but this pandemic has proven that we are a family. It's proven that we're together in this in this whole situation. Our social media pages have been busy as ever. The engagement and interaction in these services has been fantastic. We continue to meet online in our MCGs and our leadership groups. I even hear stories of people catching up for a one-on-one, -on -one, socially distanced uh, prayer walk to support and minister each other. 
My encouragement is for this to continue because it says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but, it, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. When Jesus was praying for our unity, he envisioned the great multitude before the throne of God of every nation, race, language, class, and social level, which we read about in Revelation, together. But Without relationship with him, it all seems a bit empty. It's not complete unity. Jesus had to pay the price to redeem relationship with us too. In Jesus' final moments, for three whole hours, darkness came over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. On the cross, Christ suffered the penalty for the sin of all of mankind. This event was so horrific that according to Luke 23, 45, the sun stopped shining. Jesus cried out in his agony, asking God why he had forsaken him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God caused Christ, who had no sin, to become sin for us. When in this mysterious way Christ became sin for us at the cross, God turned away and the sun stopped shining. For Christ, it was the first and only time he was ever separated from God. When he became sin for us, that sin formed a wall between Christ and his heavenly Father. When Christ has completed his mission on the cross, he cried out, It is finished. But what was finished? Well, Romans 5 says, Sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Christ had once and for all removed the barrier of sin, which separates mankind from God. Signifying this, at that moment of his death, the sun began to shine again. And the curtain in the temple, which separated the place of God's presence and us, was torn in two. By becoming the Lamb of God, the sacrifice for all sin, Jesus Christ removed forever the barrier between sinful men and a holy God. By becoming sin for us, Christ made it possible for us to become the righteousness of God. Because R is also for restoration. Satan does his best to damage and destroy us by robbing us of all the things that are valuable to us. I mean, we're in a time where a lot of things we cherish have been taken away from us. We're alienated from friends and family. We're forced to adjust the way we live in almost every aspect. We're losing freedoms. We're losing jobs. And a lot of us are losing loved ones to the virus. But Satan does not have the last word. And when we give our hurts and pains to God, he restores everything that's been stolen from us. The enemy's job is to replace our joy and peace of mind with guilt and shame and fear and worry and doubt. But we don't have to put up with that. It doesn't matter how long we've been inflicted, afflicted. 
Jesus can turn around whatever happened in our past that caused us pain and suffering and restore everything better than the way it was. He does this through his grace towards us and we open ourselves up to that supernatural restoration when we trust him to do so. The devil aims to place sickness, uncertainty and financial insecurity in our lives, but he has no power to do so when we remember who we are in Christ. It's God's will to restore everything good that was stolen. And believing this in our hearts allows us to rest in his promises. And we feel under attack spiritually. Faith in God's unmerited favor revives us. He's on our side and he wants the best for us in every area. And if you think that you aren't worth much, you aren't worth this redemption, you think you're cheap, just remember what God thinks of you. He thinks you're his, but he thinks you're twice his. He he's he's your he thinks you're his first because he made you. He wanted to make you. He actually designed you specifically. And you're his second because he bought you on the cross. He paid a price to redeem you back. I know sometimes in life circumstances are just too hard to comprehend. A couple of weeks ago, I got a phone call I never expected or wished to receive. One of my closest friends, uh, who these days lived in Canada with his wife and three young children, was hit by a truck while he was riding his bike, and that ended his 39 years of life. You know, there's nothing good about this situation. Children growing up without their father, a wife without her best friend and soulmate, parents burying their son, and a pandemic that means my friend's wife can't come home to grieve with her Australian family. This obviously hit me hard, and I struggled for a while, and I still do. I'm very sad about this. When I told the news to a few of my close friends, they would ask me, was he saved? And for a brief moment, the grief that had struck me is put on pause, and a rush of hope and optimism and joy flows through me because yes, yes, he was. He was a child of God. He'd given his life to Christ. He accepted his redemption, his salvation. And now his soul is with the Lord. His redemption has given him eternal life with our Father. And this brings me joy, not just because I get to see him again, but his body is not broken anymore. He's with our Lord Jesus now. So if you're doubting today whether the brokenness in this world can ever be mended or that the the true reconciliation could ever happen or the pain will ever go away, just look to Scripture at what God has done for you and remember his words said in present tense, look, I am making everything new. But it's not just us that receive this restoration through his redemptive power. Matthew 5, uh, 13 to 16 says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
Again, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The third R is for revelation. Let's read that prayer again that Jesus uh, prayed in John 17. I want to emphasize a new theme. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. How many times in church, in Bible studies, brothers and sisters talking, how many times have we heard Jesus paid the price for your sins, for you and for me? This is true. This is glorious. This is amazing. But what about everyone else? What about not just you and me? What about our neighbors? What about our our state, our country, our world, our universe? What about the whole of creation? Jesus says, so that the world may believe, so that the world may know. In John 3, 16, it says, God so loved the world, not God so loved follow church, not God so loved the Western world, not God so loved other Christians on earth. God so loved the whole world. Jesus teaches us how to pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Church, Jesus wants us to give the world a glimpse of the kingdom. This world is a broken place right now. 2020 has become a punchline. I mean, put your hand up if in 2015 you got the question right, where do you see yourself in five years? And for once in a church, you're probably not going to hear the preacher say, I see that hand. We need a model. We need to model Jesus in and to our world. The way we work on this and what it looks like is probably different for every one of us. But the best way to start is, as Adam put it uh, a few weeks ago, with Monday faith, not with Sunday faith. You know, in Luke 6, 12, we read about how Jesus went to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Are you setting aside time to pray the way Jesus did, or do you just pray haphazardly when things get tough? In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Are you reading your Bible daily? Not because we're doing it as a church and we're following a plan or it's the cool thing to do or it's in your diary today, but because you know you could not live without it. In Mark 16, 15, Jesus says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. To model our lives in a kingdom way, the best start is to study and spend time with the kingdom's creator. So that the world may believe that you sent me. This certainly was a, a remarkable statement. Jesus essentially gave the world permission to judge the validity uh, the the validity of his ministry based on the unity of his people. Unity among God's people helps the world to believe that the Father sent the Son. 
Jesus stakes the legitimacy of his whole ministry on on, on this. Uh, In his book, The Pursuit of God, uh, A.W. Tozer wrote the following. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They're of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which each must individually bow. So 100 worshippers meeting together, each looking away from each other but to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to be unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God and strive for closer fellowship. While we're physically separated from each other right now, we can all be in tune if we look to Jesus so that the world may believe. In 2 Corinthians 13 11, it says, Brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. And I believe that in that context, the God of love and peace will be with everybody around us too. This redemption story is such a huge part of this ever greater gospel. But it comes down to this, God so loved the world he, the world, he loved not just you, not just me, but the whole world and everything in it to send his son as a ransom to restore, to reconcile and to reveal himself through us. John Piper, when he summarizes the gospel, says, God is our treasure. God is the end. My forgiveness is not the end. My justification is not the end. My going to heaven and not having a sick body is not the end. All of this is just means Means to what? To see him. Means to knowing him, being satisfied in him, and him being more glorified in me because I'm now eternally satisfied in him. So whatever happened to the little Holden Nova that was gifted to me? Well, I gave it away, of course. The next the time came for me to buy my own new set of wheels. And I had the chance to share it with someone else who needed it most. And there was no expectation of anything in return. I just asked him to take care of it. Let's pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we just, we just are so thankful of what you did on the cross for us. We were lost. We were separated from you. We were dead to ourselves. Our sin, had, uh, had, uh, we'd lost the battle. It was over for us, Lord. But by becoming sin, by coming down and dying on the cross, you took that barrier away from us uh, and you. You restored us to relationship with each other, the relationship with you. And you restored us in this way so that we could be together, so that we could have reconciliation with each other and reconciliation with you, Lord. And we uh, we want this to be an example for you, Lord, now. We want to know. We want you to know that we want to be a revelation for you through our unity. God, help us to, um, yeah, be united in in our daily walk. To to be kind to one another, to spread your love to each other, so that the world will know about you. Look, God, that's our mission in this world, Lord, because we know that you so love the world, not just me. Not just us, not just follow church. You so love the world that you gave your only son. And we thank you for that. Amen. 
Thanks for tuning in to Follow Online. To stay updated, go to follow.church. As the people of God, let's stay connected and follow the words of Jesus to love one another.